Hello everyone. So in this video, I wanted to go over and discuss a little bit about the Darkest Dungeon Kickstarter, um, partially because I am a backer and because the things that they've been doing, especially what they've just give us out information wise, I think one should be discussed and two, I just want to go over it because of to some extent, just how crazy all of it is. And it is for all intents and purposes, almost exactly the way not to run a Kickstarter. And we're going to, in order to do this, I think the best way to do it is discuss the company a little bit. We're going to discuss sort of the historical perspective, where it's gone up till now, and then what they're asking from us now, and what that means, and what it means to anyone who pledged like me or anyone else. All right, so company-wise, um, for this one in particular, this was put out by Mythic Games. Mythic Games is a company that was formed in 2015 in Luxembourg. And... Um, in essence, they're really known in my mind for two main things. One, large box miniature heavy board games. So what we think of some of the options they've done. Uh, Joan of Arc was one of the first ones they did. That's another very large box. Tons of miniatures, terrain, all of that. They actually did a 1.5 version for that one as well. Uh, Solomon Kane, Reich Busters, which I've played before. Actually, I really do enjoy. Uh, Steam Watchers, Hell, the Darkest Dungeon, like we talked about, uh, Six Siege, Mompocalypse. So Monsterpocalypse, for anyone who doesn't know, that is a property that Privateer Press has now, and they were doing the board game form of it, and Anastir. So all of these are giant, large box, tons of miniatures style board games. And the other thing that they're known for, in my mind, is doing all this through Kickstarter and getting good partnerships. So Six Siege is from, you know, Ubisoft, Tom Clancy. It's in that universe. Darkest Dungeon, obviously. You're taking a look at Red Hook. I already mentioned how Monster Apocalypse is now currently owned by Privateer Press. It wasn't the case. That's a miniatures game from very, very long ago that went away and now has come back because Privateer owns it. But And... Some of their other properties are either their own or taken from other sources. They're known for these large collaborations. They're known for making a lot of money. Of those Kickstarters I mentioned, the lowest one was about 300000 Most of them are a million dollars or more. When we get to Darkest Dungeon, we're looking at about $5.6 million. So we're talking about you know one of the more successful or one of the most successful board game companies out there. You know, Outside of, say, uh, Subtle Fair Games or something like that, the creators of uh, Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, but otherwise they're probably the big ones. And when we look at it, um, originally, you know, they obviously had some issues. When you do a Kickstarter, there's always issues. There's always problems. Things don't always go according to plan. The, the biggest thing in Kickstarter is obviously delays. Your product doesn't come out when it's supposed to. And to me, as a backer, that's fine. I've backed about 26 projects or so currently. I have a few more that I'm waiting to back for when they actually go live. Um, that doesn't count GameFound, because some projects go to GameFound instead of Kickstarter. I have probably about four or five on there as well. I do know some people have backed many, many more, but overall I've backed quite a bit. I've had quite a bit of success. I said the most common thing is delays in terms of time. That's fine. Ship it to me. When it's ready, I'm happy. If it takes a while, so be it. i got plenty of other things to work on for the time being. Um, but I want to discuss this because I want to talk through all the things that Mythic Games has done, how, in my mind, they have lost any form of goodwill they have with their customer base, not only because of this project, but some of their other ones, and how they went from what seemed to be a pretty reliable company that delivered a good product, and don't get me wrong, their product is still quite good, to almost a laughingstock, really. All right, so... I so said, we start with a little bit about the company. We're going to get a bit into the historical perspective, at least related to Darkest Dungeon. I'm, I'm wanting to discuss other games as it's needed, but I'm not trying to go too in-depth with those. One, I didn't kickstart those, so I don't know the background of every single update where I've read them all for Darkest Dungeon. I went and reviewed them for about an hour before this video to make sure I was remembering all the little details that I could. And because, you know, I, I think this gives enough of an indication of what they're doing that we know it's following through to some extent on the other games, so it's a little bit unnecessary. All right, so a little bit about this. Um, I said this is a board game based off of the, uh, sorry, off of the uh, computer game, Darkest Dungeon, of which now there is a sequel as well. That game itself was put out by Red Hook. It itself was kickstarted, made about $330,000 originally. And now I'm sure it's a multi-million dollar, you know, 
uh, IP and everything like that from them alone, not even counting the board game and all of that. So when we get into this, um, this was done back in 2020. So it was released. The Kickstarter was in October. It was funded to about $5.6 million into November. For me, myself, how I got involved with this. Um, that particular year, because now we're talking about in the you know height of pandemic or depending on exactly what country you live in, where that was, but in the midst of the pandemic. And um, so if anyone watches the Shut Up and Sit Down uh, YouTube channel, podcasts, any of those sorts of things, they usually had an in-person convention called Shucks. And they had done that for a number of years. And it would be done in England, never got to go, probably won't. I'm not a big fan of flying. But for that year, and at least the next two, I don't know if they did it this year. I didn't keep up with it. And there's a chance I just might have missed it. But because of that, they said, well, we're not allowed to meet in person. So let's do an online, essentially, convention, board game convention. And it was called All Shucks. And what they did, they invited, how they put all this together, I'm not sure. But essentially, they invited tons of different publishers and all those people together to put their games, you know, in here and they essentially ran it from a discord server they had a website as well so they would have different guests come in and talk they would do live plays of different games and in the server you could go to say one of the publishers and they would have their game on say board game arena or steam board game arena was the big one because also they gave you a free weekend membership to that for anyone who doesn't know board game arena does have a charge but between that or uh, Tabletop Simulator, or potentially some others, you could go in and play various games. So I know that's when I played, for the first time, Ross Runes of Arnok, which, very pretty game, not super impressed with, but I'll get to that another time. And that's actually where they had some people doing off of Board Game Arena, you could try out Darkest Dungeon, which was going to be releasing at that time, uh, Kickstarter about a month or two later, if memory serves. And I played it then, played with a couple other people. I played a Vestal at the time, and I really enjoyed the game. I thought it was a good miniature-style representation of the game. It kept a lot of the crux of the game. So the idea that you essentially have two big issues that you're trying to manage, you're managing both your health and your sanity, that either one of those can cause you problems, can remove your character. You have these various monsters. You have the way that you're rode up. The way they treated that was... So anyone hasn't played the game, um, when you look at it, there's essentially theoretically four on each side. Sometimes big monsters means that you get three instead. But essentially you have four on each side. They are put into positions, and then you're fighting that way. Depending on your ability or your skill or your attack, you'll be able to hit different monster positions and from different positions. So if you are, say, more of a fighter-type character, a crusader or something like that, you usually want to be closer to the front, and you tend to be able to hit more towards the front. If you are a more range-type character or a healing-type character, you're more designed to sit in the back. You might be able to help your own characters, or maybe you can hit into different areas. Maybe you hit the back lines or the front lines, all of that. And they did a very interesting way to do this. They did it on a little board, essentially, and you are moving around on that since it is a miniatures game. But your activations are going in the order of you lined up across the top. I felt that a lot of the things that they did, they were able to translate the game very well, and they were able to make what they translated a lot of fun. Um, there was obviously some rough patches, but yeah, at that point, the game wasn't even out. wasn't even at Kickstarter yet. This was their first iteration of it. Um, the way they did abilities, I thought, was very neat. The fact that you can't double up on successful abilities. You essentially have, for all intents and purposes, two actions. And if you fail something, you can try again. But if you succeed, you got to try something different. So they board gamified the game I think very well and that is something I will say for this company we're going to kind of get into uh, I don't want to make this you know so negative where I'm cursing them I think that's unproductive but we're not going to be very positive in most of this the part I will be positive about here and I will iterate this in other points is their games are good um, I've heard great things about Joan of Arc I haven't played it myself uh, Reichbusters I've played a lot of honestly I really do enjoy it it's a weird world world war ii sort of game um some other games i haven't but everything that they've done that i've seen or heard about the games look good it's not an issue with the games themselves it's not an issue with the way they develop or anything like that like some other com uh, companies uh, steamforge games for instance i think they produce nice looking things and i don't think their games are very good this produces tends to produce very looking very good looking games 
and very good games. But there's other issues. So let's get into that a little bit. They said, made a good bit of money, played it, wanted to get into it. For the game itself, they were doing all the different pieces. So if you played the game before, there's different areas you can go into, uh, the Warrens, the Cove, all those sorts of things. And they had uh, various pieces here. So you could get the main box. They were listing originally as 100. They were saying, hey, if it went to retail, which we're not doing retail, we'll sell it on our own stores and maybe through like a distributor. But, oh, you guys are saving a lot of money on this. And what I will say is you have. The base game itself came out at 200 where in the Kickstarter cost you 100 So they did save you a good amount. We'll get into where some of those savings didn't really occur, but still. Um, but the all-in pledge, at least in the U.S., was about 330 That was base, no shipping, none of the other stuff. And that obviously was one of the more popular ones. That's the level I constantly went at. They started strong. They started with weekly updates. It was what's up Wednesdays kind of things. And every Wednesday they would update you on where they are, the uh, progress they've made, telling you about different characters and all. Because not everyone had tried it out. Like I said I was in a spot to be able to try it out. They did keep it up on Board Game Arena for a bit so you could actually test it out. And, you know, they showed us some rules and all of that. They, you know, they did the beginning parts right. And as it went along, when it started getting to the production part, that's when this thing all started to fall apart. So, I said this was 2020, November, so call it 2021, just about by the time things truly get rolling. Um, in January of 2022, so about a year or so after it was originally put together, when they started getting to the production levels, they originally, when they did this Kickstarter, the miniatures were going to be done in red for the enemies. So they're going to do them in red, and what was nice about that is it really highlights the difference that they have between the heroes as well as the enemies. And what they said is, well, okay, when we did this in red, when we looked back at it, we said, well, the detail's all there. Putting them in a red plastic doesn't remove the detail, but the look is not as detailed. So... What that means is, and if you have anything or ever looked at miniatures, the color of the plastic that you get can greatly define how much detail you see from a distance. The general rule for thumb for when you're painting or looking at models is three foot distance, arm's length. If it looks good from arm's length, then it's a good looking miniature. For anyone who paints, that's the way to paint. Don't, you know, you paint here, but you judge from here. And they said, well, okay, we won't be able to keep it in red then because we can't assume most people will paint it. We're talking about 100 plus, you know, enemy miniatures or more when it's all said and done. Just in the base one is probably nearly that amount and then add in the expansions. Said, okay, we're going to do them in a, a dark gray. We'll do the heroes lighter, the enemies darker. You can still tell the difference. Um, what I want to say here is that obviously when you change things from what people originally expected, even if you change them for very good reasons, it is the vocal minority. They might be the majority of views, but the vocal minority of people, when they comment, you usually only comment for one of two reasons. You love something, you hate it. So I'm not going to be showing comment sections for this. I'll discuss them a bit, but I don't want to because it just gets a little too vitriolic. And I don't mind the negativity. I agree with much of the negativity. I don't agree with the people who are calling for actions against them or harm or anything like that. I think that's over the top. Um, I don't think anything they've done warrants any of that. It warrants you maybe never supporting them again. It might warrant you from telling friends to avoid them. It might warrant a whole bunch of other things, but nothing harm-based. But obviously when they changed it, there was a lot of people very unhappy. There's some people who said, hey, you know, we understand you're getting to production, you're seeing changes. But me, myself, I, I did not like that. I was very unhappy with that because I liked the fact that the monsters were so different. I think that was nice. I think it really highlights it really well. And they've done it in other games. There's been other ones where it's red for monsters and a type of gray for the heroes. So it's not unheard of. All right. Um, a little bit later, uh, about a month or so later, they say, all right. We're not going to be able to put out the game all at once because of COVID, the war in Ukraine, all, all, all kinds of things. Because of all these various reasons, we're going to split it into two waves. What they said is, okay, if you're getting the English language edition, then you're going to get your game. You're going to get the Crimson Court, one of the add-ons, as well as all of, essentially, the big add-ons. Um, so when we think about the big add-ons, we are talking about, you know, the playmat, the uh, 
the card sleeves, all those sorts of things, which I went in on. I didn't go on all of those things, but I went in on those. So, okay, we're going to split you into two waves. So if you're getting the English language version, you're going to get it, you know, essentially, they they said at that point, a little bit later in the year, and as I said, we're talking about 2022. So, oh, it should be in your hands maybe by September, so 2022. And everyone else, hey, we'll get it out to you like next year. It'll be as soon as we can get it. Fast forward months and months and months, and that's the ongoing thing now. In the beginning, when all they had to do was talk about, you know, updates on characters. What do these characters look like? What's this enemy look like? What's this boss like? How do the cards look? All of that. The updates were consistent. Weekly or almost every single week, they were doing live streams and all of that. Um, Sam Healy, at the moment, was at the company, so he was doing weekly discussions and all of this. And... Once it got to production, now we're going months and months and months and months in time before getting updates. And this is true of their other games as well. At that moment, so when this game was, you know, essentially giving us these updates, that's when Siege 6 or 6 Siege was being kickstarted and successfully kickstarted. That's when the Monster Apocalypse was done. That's when Anastir was done. Because in these updates, they said, hey, we got this other game. You want to take a look at it? You know, come try us out. You know, so they were doing more. And and all of their Kickstarters, once it got out of the initial part, or it got into this sort of crunch time that we see with Darkest Dungeon, that there was more and more time between these updates. Updates that used to be weekly, and now we're taking multiple weeks, months. You know, at one point, um, we can look at it in terms of this year. One update was January. The next update was around now. We're talking, you know, the better part of eight, nine months between updates on this one as well as some other others. NSDR, I know, has that problem. Um, I took a look at it. So before I did this, I looked through all these different ones. At one point, their Kickstarters were essentially not being highlighted the same way because of these long intervals, three months or more between updates. When they said, we'll get you updates soon. Hey, we restructured our company in our restructuring. We are going to get you nice and consistent monthly updates and then three, four months or so would go by. So... Um, big issue, lack of communication. So, all right, they changed colors, didn't like it, not the end of the world, splitting you up into different waves, kind of rough. Um, in February of that year, in 2022, they had sold sleeves for this game. It was about 60 bucks US for all the sleeves, and it's lots and lots of sleeves. It's thousands upon thousands of sleeves. But they told us then, hey, um, we have an organizer and we have sleeves. And due to different manufacturing costs and constraints and trying to keep our costs down and all, we had a choice of fitting one or the other in the box. You could either fit the organizer with unsleeved cards or not put the organizer and sleeve your cards. And they said, well, you know what? We're going to fit the organizer, which means sleeve cards don't fit in the box. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, when you sleeve cards, obviously they get bigger. Unless they're perfect fits, it doesn't quite as big. And this, again, as someone who backed for the sleeves, I still kept the sleeves. You, there was ways to get your money back if you wanted for those. But I said, all right, I'm not really going to transport the game quite as often. So if if I need to kind of keep boxes open or stack them or, or put something else in there to fit this in, I can make do. The way they did it with their cards kind of made it where you'd have to reorganize entirely. So what they did for the card packs... You had various size cards, and what they did is they put them in boxes. So your character ability cards were a tiny little box. And there was, I want to say, about three or four of those boxes. And some of the characters were split between two. Like the Jester is split between two different little boxes. And they said, okay, well, we did that, and the bigger tarot side cards are in boxes and all that. And all these boxes together will fit in, and when you put them in, the tiles and all the cardboard and all that kind of stuff will fit around it so the box is together if you were to take the cards out one as soon as you attempt to sleeve them they won't fit in the box the box is exactly the size of the card so it's not like you could even fit less this way you can't even fit them physically in there which means you don't have a good storage space for them and that also means that if you wanted to put them in there you would have to reorganize the way you're doing the box find some way to store them which that means even less will fit in um very annoyed very very annoyed by this but I said, you know what, I'm not going to transport this ton, so me personally, I can kind of deal with it. I can transport it more as an open box, say cards kind of stacked up in a certain way in one side and all the miniatures and cardboard and all that kind of stuff in a different piece. I'll, I'll make do. Uh, the miniatures are actually in a separate box, but you know, there's ways to make do. Maybe I'll stack some of the miniatures in there with the other stuff and rearrange as needed. But again, comments 
that you saw some people supporting a lot of people very upset about this. And I fully understand why everyone was so upset. I was absolutely upset. And then we start getting into what we're going to call the biggest issues. So if we take a look at this, this was an update. I had to go back through and find all these. This was the update that they put out, as we see, in July. And what this update does is it explains why Wave 1 said, hey, Wave 1's ready to ship. So back in July, we are ready. It is ready to go sit in a container, go out to you guys, ready to leave right this moment. And they said, well, um, and they said, oh, Wave 2, we're going to start 2023, beginning of 2023. We'll get that second wave out. Everything's going to be to you guys, you know, by this point, actively it's currently october in 2023 all of it's done you're set i said okay well because of all that's going on because of the pandemic because of the war all of that prices have went up now that is true um if you think about container prices so being able to get a container um in china to get it delivered somewhere in the world it did used to be a couple thousand dollars and it went up into the 20s you know 20 some thousand dollars or more that's absolutely true now, at this current moment, and we're going to, you know, spoiler alert, they asked for more money. At this current moment, those prices are back down. They're not back down to necessarily pre-pandemic levels quite as low, but they're a lot, lot lower. So part of the issue people have is, you know, can you be more transparent? You showed us this, but we know this isn't necessarily true anymore. Even at this time, whether this was true or not was another thing. Um, they give an update of the fact that essentially what they go through and say is that it was about $3.1 million to ship this game. They had collected about $1.4 million for it. And between all bonus costs, it was going to cost about $1.75 million extra to get this done. They said, well, we've been subsidizing this up till now, and we just can't do it anymore. Um, Red Hook gave us uh, $100,000. grand. we are going to subsidize about seven hundred ourselves. So we're eating about half the cost, and we need you guys to eat the other half. Not unheard of. What I will say is there's other Kickstarters who have asked for more money, especially through the pandemic, and all one cost went up. Um, currently, the cost associated to containers is nothing like what it used to be, but the cost of cardboards and paper and all is still very high compared to pre-pandemic levels or even some parts during the pandemic. So costs are still high. I completely understand that. Um, Letter Games had to ask for more money related to oaths. Um, oath. There's other companies that did, but it, it's how you ask is what matters. And the biggest problem they have is the way in which they ask. And they said, hey, we need a contribution. We're, we're going to need money from you guys to get this game to you. It's sitting on, it, it's ready. It's getting ready to get on the boat, but we need we need this money to come through first. They said, okay, here are the original costs they told us. They said, if you're Wave 1 backer, because Wave 1 was the only one who's getting this now, they said, Wave 2 later, we'll charge you guys. But for right now, this is what Wave 1's going to pay. And if you're in Wave 1, and you have stuff in Wave 2, so if you did that ancestral big box pledge for everything, you're going to pay for all of your extra contribution now. We're going to take it all now, and later you won't have to pay, because we've already taken it from you. I said, okay, hey, core set, it's going to be an extra 18 bucks. Um, for some of the expansions that were coming later, the Cove, the Color Madness, all those, 5 bucks. So all of this together, which means for someone who had certain bundles, it's going to be about $70.00. Now, this is on top of the shipping you already paid, at least for me, shipping was 75 There's this as well with the extra, so it was about another 70 or so bucks. So you're now in for about double the cost of your shipping. Notice their wording here. Your game is printed, it's yours, and it's currently stored in China. If you're unable to pay this contribution immediately, we'll store it for as long as possible. So here's the issue. They put this out in August. Uh, well, end of July, but they said, hey, in August, we're going to ask for this contribution. We're going to have it open for a couple weeks. And if you guys pay the money, your stuff will get on a boat. And if you don't, we're going to store it and hope things get cheaper. And if they ever do, maybe we'll be able to send it to you. I, I don't necessarily think they were being as flippant as it sounds. The problem is their wording and the way they've said it is exceptionally flippant. They called it a contribution. A lot of the backers that post online call it extortion and, and, and other things like that and fraud. I don't think that's the case. I do 100% believe they wouldn't have been able to deliver us this game without getting some extra money. I fully believe that. But to kind of call it a contribution, kind of call it like a helping hand, but then also say if you don't pay it, you're not getting your stuff, which is done. We'll show you a picture of it, but it just won't show up. 
that it, it sort of reeks of somewhere between being disingenuous and just kind of being mean. Um, you can have it if you give us the extra money that we're just telling you now that we need. Also, we know it is currently still either during the pandemic or depending on how your country was doing, a still very tough economic time. And you maybe have a month to come up with it. For for some people, this money is a lot. You know, I, I fully understand that that being able to come up with an extra 70 bucks in a two-week time frame for some people is not realistic. Depending on your life situation, where you live, the country you live in, and realize, you know, that's this, depending on where you are, the strength related to the dollar or anything like that, the cost could be very different. So some people just couldn't do it, or they would need more time. They said, well, hey, this is all you guys get. Um, they talked a little bit about the future and all of that. And one of the other things that they did, so the, if I scroll down the comment section, is it's going to be rather negative. They came out about a week later and, you know, realized that what they had said was really poorly worded. And that's one of the biggest things here is poor wording. They said, okay, well, sorry about that. Um, you know, we're going to kind of clean up what we say. Here's what it really means. You know, we are going to ask for this money. We're going to give you something nice. We're going to give you a print and play character. So there's a print and play boss. Uh, I think that's this one. The shipping update. Yeah, you get the Master Weber. So print and play. Um, at this point, I think now they're actually printing it for us and including it in some of the language packs or something. I, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. They said, hey, we got, um, well, actually what they had said before this, which kind of makes it funny, this kind of illustrates their their lack of communication skills at the time, at least, and still. They said, okay, well, we're working with Red Hook to do something cool for you guys. Because, you, you know, for anyone who contributes, we want to do something cool. We want to give you a bonus. And some people weren't sure what it was. They thought it might have been, and I did too, maybe some sort of discount code related to Darkest Dungeon 2 because that was coming out soon, something. And what they did is, hey, we got print and play for you. All right, a nice freebie, but, you know, you kind of hyped it up, and then this is what you give us. Not not really to the level you should have went with, but okay. So they give us that. Um, then what we found out, and I believe that's what I have here on this one. Um, yeah, so, so they show us the product. Actually, no, this is the next thing. My apologies. So the next thing they say is, yeah, they're not actually done yet. So we told you the games were ready to go on the boat, but they're not done. Games aren't quite done yet. They'll be done soon. Um, because one option you could get is you could get the miniatures painted. And um, with a wash, essentially. So originally they were supposed to be in red. And then they said, okay, we got to do dark gray. And we do this wash for some people. If you're not going to paint them, they'll be washed. They'll look good. They said, okay, well... We were going to do a red wash. The plan was these dark gray miniatures, a red wash. You still get some red undertones. And they said, okay, well, that wasn't working well. It, it was muddled and it looked good. They said, well, what does look good, what we found, is that if we take red miniatures and do a dark gray wash, it looks really nice. So they told us you can't do the red miniatures. And then if you had paid the extra money, I want to say it was like 100 bucks extra. But if you paid the extra money for them to wash all your miniatures, then you were going to get the red miniatures you originally talked about washed. Which overall, I mean, if you're not going to paint miniatures, I do think these are a good look. I do think they show some detail. I do think they look nice. But we're going to wash all these miniatures for you. And we're going to actually make them red, the original color you wanted. So you'll actually, if you paid the extra money, you're going to get the product that you wanted. And this obviously left a lot of people with very, very bad impressions. Left me with a very bad impression. I personally don't think I would have sprung for the extra hundred, but at this point you weren't even able to do that if you wanted. So if someone said, you know what, hey, having them in red, having them look like this is worth it to me, I will pay you the money, too late. So if you had originally paid the extra money, you then turned out you got what you were promised. If you paid otherwise, you don't get it all what you were promised. All right, so games go out, get it. I will say I enjoy the game. I've played it several times. Um, I played a couple, I, I've not quite completed a campaign just because it's, it's a busy time for me. It's been tough with um, different things I have going on and all, but I've played quite a few missions. Absolutely love the game. It's a lot of fun. Waiting for the other expansions. It'll be a lot of fun. We go about six plus months with no communication, and then they release to us um, just, um, so that was in September. 
my apologies. Nope. Oh, yeah. Sorry. This was end of September. There we go, because it's September. End of September. Update 125. About six or seven months since the last update. I say, okay, well, hey, um, Six Siege is now going to the printers. So now we're looking at Wave 2 because they had restructured their company. They had sold off a bunch of IPs to Simon and a few other people. They said, hey, we're going to focus on Darkest Dungeon, Hell, um, get Seed 6 done, and Anastir. I said, all right, hey, we're ready for uh, Wave 2, which will be the English-only versions of the expansions and everything else. But we got problems because things are still super expensive. We can't afford it and all of that, the, the sort of uh, small violin. They said, okay. Here's what this is going to mean, though, for you. We need those contributions we had talked about. And in this update, they give us almost no details. They said, hey, contributions will open in October. They'll close at the end of October. Um, and then hopefully by January, we're going to start printing your stuff. Needless to say, people were really upset because this doesn't give any details. What does any of it mean? What are they actually going to do? What's it going to look like? They said, next update, you'll know. And then we found out on October 5th. So a little bit about what happened here. Um, they uh, obviously touted themselves up for quite a while. They said, okay, hey, we're including a print, print, sorry, small printed bonus in the wave for that Master Weber, so you're going to get some cards. Isn't that nice? And um, here's what's going to happen. Uh, we don't have enough money. We're going to have to have you guys help us out. Okay, again, I understand. Um, and the initial request. So they had shown that originally they were going to ask for quite a bit of money. I said, okay, well, what we could make cheaper is those extra language packs we can offer them. So originally the game was supposed to be in English and a variety of other languages, French, German, all these other ones. They said, okay, well, if what we do instead is we give you the PDF related to these other languages for rules and cards and everything like that, and we get enough orders for different languages, then we'll print them and we'll include this as essentially as an add-in to it. And if we do it that way, we can make the game cheaper. So we're going to ship every game in English. And then there'll be language packs, one per language, that replaces, as it says, your cards, tiles, rules, all those sort of things in your native language. They said, well, we need a 1,000 people for each language. And we're going to keep track of it and see if we get them. But if we get a 1,000 people each, we'll be able to give you this. Otherwise, it'll just be the PDF. And they said, well, we're able to cheapen it up for you. Um, if we take a look at some of the expansions down here, the, say, Color of Madness, or Cove, or Warrens, or Weld. Um, the boxes originally are about 50 each. The extra money they wanted was 30 each, and then they were able to change the 18. So originally they wanted over half the cost. Now they want closer to about a third or so of it. And that's true for most of these things. They said, all right, so we can do that. It'll be a little bit cheaper for you. And then they reminded everyone in Wave 1. So when you did Wave 1, they said, hey, we're going to ask for money. We'll never ask you again. You pay now. You do not have to pay later. And that was actually up, pinned post, pinned all over the place. It was on their Discord. It was pinned. It was into the um, spots in the Kickstarter itself. Hey, we're not going to ask you again. And then when the previous announcement came out, those pins went away. Because the previous announcement said, hey, we're going to need money from everyone. And we're going to need more shipping as well. And in the comments, people obviously talked about, well, hey, are you going to need it from us? You guys said you wouldn't. You said you already took our money. And all the pins went away. And then they show us this. And they say, hey, if you did wave one, we're just going to charge you the difference. But we do need the money. We're not going to be able to do this without it. So if you had done wave one for those expansions, Cove Warrants, all of that, you paid five bucks. We need 18. So we'll just charge you 13. So everyone's going to be charged the same amount. But when we told you we never had to be charged again, that's a lie. Anything that's still outstanding, you're going to have to pay extra for. Um, that means for at least a U.S. backer plus shipping, it's about another 75 bucks. So original shipping was 75 The original contribution was about that amount. And then this time was about that amount. So you've now doubled the amount in shipping just in extra charges, not counting all the other things that you've done. Then they also talked about these minimum contributions. If you don't get a thousand people who want it in German, then the German language pack's not coming out. You'll get a PDF and that's it. Um, we hope that you're able to read and work in English or wanting to print it all out at your own costs. So that takes us to where we are now. A few other things we want to talk about. Refunds. Um, 
That's a huge thing that people have talked about. So the way they've been doing refunds, I, I, you know, let's let's kind of uh, turn this into a bit of where's everything now and what are they doing? What what is the ways in which they have kind of failed here? One of the ways in which they failed is refunds. So what they're doing related to refunds, for anyone who doesn't know, they are capped monthly in how much money they can get back in refunds. So people request refunds. As soon as they talked about the extra contribution, they say, hey, refunds are open. Um, the refund's about 85%. Now, some people freaked out about that. Oh, you're keeping our money, all this. No, that's because Kickstarter charges fees. They're refunding you the part of the money they actually received. If they refunded you 100%, they're actually losing money. I'm okay with that. It's a restocking fee. If, if you've ever bought electronics, a lot of times that's the thing. Cool. All right. But they're capped each month. And it took, by, by estimates, I never asked for a refund myself, but by what people were posting, if you were refund, if you asked for a refund on the first day, so the day they released that they wanted extra money, the day they essentially sort of opened refunds en masse, it was taking almost a year for the people on that day to get their refunds, depending on where exactly in the queue you were. So that does mean if you say, saw this other contribution, you asked for a refund now, you know, it, it, it took till this year, 2023, for people who asked in 2022 to get their money. Right now, a lot of people ask for refunds and very few people say they get them. We don't know what the number is. They don't tell us. But we know that it reaches the cap pretty soon and it took almost a year to get people back the refunds that they asked for on day one. And we know that was probably the most popular day, but I'm sure in that first week was very popular as well. Where it is now, I don't know. But if you're asking for a refund now, good luck ever getting it. They also even said, we'll do refunds unless it would cause us not to be able to get games out. Okay, understandable, but that's kind of a way of just saying you can stop refunds at any point and you don't have to do it anymore. Okay. There are other games that did the same sort of things. First, you know, Six Siege. It's currently in production now, should hopefully be shipping out to people somewhat soon. And they asked for more money. I don't know the exact amounts. My guess is probably reasonably comparable. The end result for this was about you know, between 40 to 50%, depending on where you lived, was the extras you were paying when it's all said and done. My guess, somewhere around the same region, but I don't currently have it open in front of me. They put in all their different Kickstarters for going forward, like, hey, we're going to need more money. We've restructured the company. We've tried to make all these improvements, but we're just going to need money. So when it comes to you guys, we'll need it. Um, the wave one was printed. They said, hey, we're going to do Siege 6 next, and then we'll get to the wave two, even though this one was about three or four times in size. Um, so where does that leave us? Let's talk a little bit about just the company in general and what the problems were that they've done. So problem-wise, um, not following through on what you said you would do in a Kickstarter. That's understandable. That absolutely happens in Kickstarters. I've backed plenty of Kickstarters where they have to change things, and I don't have a problem with that overall. My problem is when you tell us last minute. You know, as soon as you knew there might be an issue, discuss it. If you discuss it when, say, the pledge manager closes, that's no good. At one point, the part about the sleeves, the pledge manager was closing before we knew that. They said, oh, we got proofs. We're going to show you these proofs. We're going to show you all this stuff. And it didn't happen. Pledge manager closed. So they opened it up again. So ooh, changes that you don't let people know. Changes to fundamental pieces is an issue. And some of these changes were very fundamental. Big problems. Um, bad communication. They go months upon months without telling people. If you look at all the various Kickstarters, if you look at Monster Apocalypse, Anastir, all of those, there is six months gaps between communications. And this is after they said they've restructured and now they have a communications team. Now, what I will say, two of the people on that team, sorry, pause that briefly because I can't remember the names, Amanda and Marco, I will say for the company, maybe the higher-ups are doing just terrible things, but those two are doing great work. You know, these are the two people that at least I see. There might be others who do this. I know for the French, there's someone else who does it, but I don't speak French, so I don't follow that. But both of these two are owed, you know, the biggest amount of praise for what they do. They deal with tons of very angry, legitimately angry, very angry fans, tons of questions, fielding all the things that the company isn't saying that they should be, that these updates should be saying much better. And they're the people on the front line who have to handle it. So I absolutely thank them. I absolutely think they're doing a great job. 
And if you want to blame anyone, blame whoever you want the company. But these two are doing great. These two are not the problem whatsoever. Unfortunately, the company, when they do poor communications, when they don't word things well, when they talk about your contribution and things are done, but it's going to sit here unless you pay us more money, the way they say things causes problems. And then it's these people who have to pick up the slack. And that is the real shame here. So failed promises, bad communication, the issues of splitting these waves, wanting more money. And again, it's the way that you put it out. That is the problem. Um, you get this feeling from a company that's doing it like this, that, you know, they're covering the cost now with the next Kickstarter. So they have multiple Kickstarters still outstanding. And they've always sort of had this. One Kickstarter's done, they're working on the game, and then another Kickstarter is going to come out shortly thereafter. Simon uh, does a somewhat similar thing, but Simon's a bigger company. Simon has more ability to eat costs and work through this. It gives you the feeling that they're coming out with the next Kickstarter to cover extras that they needed for this one, because this one's money it made was covering the previous one and so on. Now, they'll tell you they don't do that. I'm not saying that they do, but it has that feeling. And the problem is when you have poor communication, when you have things that you've done badly, that that feeling, even if it's unfair, even if it's 100% untrue, starts to get into your brain and really starts to make you think, is that what they're doing? Is my darkest dungeon money the reason that you need more money really because of, you know, you put out the monster apocalypse and you know you don't have the money for that. So my costs are going to those. You know, we know costs were up. Everything in the pandemic was up. But there's a lot of people saying, like, are you guys lining your pockets? Like, costs aren't as crazy. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Can you show us more details? So to me, those are some of the big failings. And it's the failings of the company. It's not the failings of the game. It's not the failings of any of these games. If my stuff isn't in red, at the end of the day, that is not truly a big issue. It's the way you bring it up. It's the way you talk about it. It's the sort of promises that you change and then you go back on. Had they never went back on when they um, washed miniatures and put them back in red, they could have just said or put polls up and said, hey, you know, th the details are still there. They're not quite as readable in red. Hey, you know what we found out when we wash it, it does. If you want to pay a little extra, we can wash those or, or something. Give people options. Don't shut things down. Tell people you can't have what you thought you could and then kind of go back on it. That's the big issue here. They keep going back. So, oh, one of the other big things. Um, so, I, I, I'm I part of their newsletter because I have, you know, God Darkest Dungeon. They put you in the newsletter. And what was happening was um, I was getting... Once the wave one was out, they obviously had extra stock. There was people saying, hey, that extra stock, um, is that is it my game? Are you selling my game that I couldn't pay for? I couldn't give you the extra money for? That feels bad. Um, I can't get your game over on the boat from China because you didn't pay me extra, but we have spare games to sell to people. And we'll sell them through Mincher Market and things like that. And yeah, that does make you think, well, if you could bring those extras over, why couldn't you bring mine? Where, where Where's my copy? Why don't I get mine when people who never kickstarted it can get it? They're getting it for more money. It's more expensive, but they can get it at least. Um, and, and I understand if you have a Kickstarter style model of a company, if you don't have extras and that you sell them, then you have no additional money coming in, which means if something happens, costs go up, you're kind of screwed. And so I get it. But the part I don't get, and this sort of just shows a tone deafness, um, I was sent every couple days, I want to say not even weekly, every couple days, emails about, hey, we got Darkest Dungeon boxes, you can buy them. Hey, we got boxes. Hey, guess what? They're on sale. Hey, we're taking like 50 bucks off. Hey, we're for this short amount of time, it's like half price. It's all these sorts of things. And, you know, shipping charges, cheaper, anything like that. We have all this stuff. And every couple days, I was getting advertised as someone who kickstarted Darkest Dungeon to buy it. Now, I had my copy. My copy had come in, was in my hands. But if I was one of those people who couldn't afford the extra or just chose not to, who said, you know what, you've got enough of my money, no more, and then every three days or so, I'm getting an advertisement to buy the game that you won't send me, that's going to make you feel really, really bad. And that is going to make you start, honestly, hating this company. And that was very, again, tone deaf. They should have, what they easily could have done is made a list of people 
who had backed the Darkest Dungeon Kickstarter. So I'm on your mailing list, but I backed this game. Do not send them this advertisement. Send them maybe the first time, and then never send it again. And they could do that for any of the other games. Hey, you're on this. We're not going to send you the advertisement about buying the game that we told you you might not be able to get if you didn't pay us extra money. Again, it just reeks of not thinking these thoughts through, of not putting the interests of your backers first. I'm not even sure they're putting the interests of their company first, to tell you the truth. I'm not sure whose interests are first, but it's definitely not the backers. Um, they did give us a, a small, a, I want to say 15% off for the future. Originally, it was 15% off like the base game or something like that if you were a backer. And we're like, well, we already got that stuff. Or we got some of these things, so now it's like 15% off. Or no, sorry, it was 15% off Darkest Dungeon stuff. And we said, well, hey, we already got Darkest Dungeon, so you're giving us a percentage off on a game we've already backed that we paid you extra for. And they said, okay, it's like 15% off store-wide or something. I've never used it. I don't think I will. So where does it leave us now? Um, so currently... We are in October. One, they said the that email about the extra contribution will come out fast. No, it took like the next week. So at this moment, we got about 20 days. When it came out, about 21 days to get them this extra money. Like I said, for me personally, it's about another 75 bucks. That's on cost of or on top of the already amount that I paid and then the previous amount. I've watched the comments. For some people, these extra costs that they're having to do because they never paid the original. They paid their, a very original shipping, but they never paid the Wave 1 type shipping and all the extras. For some of these people, it's like 200 bucks extra. It's legitimately like 40 to 50% of the cost of the game again. And we know they have minimums. If they don't hit minimums, it's just not happening. They told us, like, we need to hit a certain amount. If we don't even hit a certain amount, the second wave just isn't going to get printed. Um, so where does it leave us? Do I think the second wave will be printed? Yes. I absolutely do. If you were to read the comments, if you just went off the comments, no one's giving them a dime. I know that's not true. Again, comments are the people who love something a ton, which you don't see many people talking about it. The best you see is people saying, hey, I'm giving you the money. Sorry, people being quite so negative. I'm probably not backing your stuff again. Or I like your game. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this money. Or you really don't like it. And that's what you're seeing a lot more of. So I know there's a lot of people who are very, very upset. So And the comments show that. And I'm upset. Don't get me wrong, I'm very upset about it as well. And when you see the comments, yeah, by the look of that, it won't fund. I absolutely think it will. The language packs, I feel bad for anyone who wants it in a different language. I really have a feeling it's not going to happen for at least some of those languages. Um, my guess, French. I would guess French would because um, the other main part of this company is in French. All their updates they put out in French and all of that. But some of these other languages, say like German, I think there's a reasonable chance they're not going to get it. I, I think some of these are languages, you're going to get a PDF. Like I said, I hope you can read English because you might then, or that you're willing to spend, honestly, probably quite a bit to get these things printed out on like stickers or something like that. That way you can post it on to your cards, which is also not going to look nearly as good. I, I, I think it's in bad shape. Um, I think for me personally, I think at some point the refunds are going to stop. I think if you ask for a refund, and if you're asking for it now, I honestly don't think you'll get your money. Um, I'd like people to be able to get their money back, but I don't think they will, because I think if the situation is as bad as the company said, the company did put out an FAQ to explain, like, hey, we're not going out of business, because a lot of people said they were. A lot of people thought, hey, we're just trying to take the money and run. Um, I don't think that's true, but the optics on it don't feel much better than that. So... Um, if I think you asked for a refund when you saw this Wave 2 stuff, I don't think you'll get it. They put in there an escape clause. They said, we'll give refunds unless it would stop us from being able to produce our stuff. And I think that stopping producing our stuff is going to happen pretty soon. Um, I think if you baked, ba sorry, backed later things like Monster Apocalypse or Anastir, I would like to think you'll get your stuff. I would. I think you're looking at minimum 2025, maybe further. I think they're going to ask you for a lot of money extra. And they've already said that they're going to, and at some point they will. And they've they've already upped the shipping charges for the Anastir at least to try to cover it. And I think they'll ask for money again when the time comes. I think they're going to tell you that they didn't have it and that the costs are still way too high and all that. And I understand the costs are still high. Things are still high, but the costs are high on everyone. 
plan for certain things. You might not be able to plan for all the shipping related charges, all those costs, but you got to build in some of it and you've got to be able to figure out ways to do this. They've sold off IPs to help cover it and I guessing it's just keeping them solvent. Um, it's not actually helping at all, at least for our purposes. So I do think Wave 2 will ship. I do not think that you'll be able to get your refunds at some point. Um, I do think the game will be fun. I've enjoyed it so far. Um, I am absolutely worried. So when you when they did the extra charge in there is the extra shipping because it's extra shipping. I am absolutely worried that they might ask for more. I do think that's a legitimate concern. Um, and if they don't ask us for more, I do think there's a chance they pass it along to the next Kickstarter. Um, which might be mom I'm not sure exactly the timing on all these. But it might be that they had to pay even more because to make up for the extra that they wanted to charge us. Um, do I think they need the money? Yeah, I really think they do. I don't think they'd be asking us if they didn't. I don't agree with people who say they're just trying to line all their pockets. I don't think that's true. Um, I think they could have planned a lot better. I don't think it needs to get to the level it did at all. But I do think if people don't contribute, yeah, this project doesn't finish. And to me, am I contributing? Yes. Um, I fully understand people who can't, and I fully understand people who won't. Um, I understand people who do. It could be a bit of wanting the product. It could be a bit of cost, uh, sorry, sunk cost fallacies, all of that. But to me, I've already put tons of money in. This extra bit, I'm in a position, at least, I'm lucky enough to be in a position in my life where this will not break my bank. I'm not happy to put it out. And yes, I will have to change a little bit of finances around because of this, but I can pay it. And since I can pay it, I want the rest of my products. You know, I've already paid quite a bit for them. I want it. I want this box nice and complete. I want to be able to have the complete experience. And then I will never back another game of theirs again. Um, I don't care what they come out with. I don't care... If they make a game related to, you know, I don't know, whatever my most popular um, sort of things out there. If they do a Star Wars game, never touch it. They do a Final Fantasy game, never touch it. Pick the things I like the most in this world. I actually have, um, I posted on the, the YouTube, I have Final Fantasy characters tattooed on my leg now. They come out with that, I'll never touch it. I don't care how great it's supposed to be. Because I don't believe them anymore. Um, if I had bracked Anastir, I would honestly at this moment be thinking I'll just never get my product. Maybe in several years from now, if it shows up on my doorstep, I'll be happy. But otherwise, my money's gone. It's gone forever. I. It's like when, when you think about it, I, I don't think they're outwardly trying to be deceptive or evil. I don't think that. There's some people who do. In the comments, you'll read it, and people are talking about them like the worst people ever. I don't think that's the case. But I don't think they know how to run a company from a um, logistics standpoint, as well as from a customer standpoint, well. I think they run it awfully. Um, like I said, there's other companies that asked for money, but they've asked for it in a much better way. They were much more sympathetic and the way they talked was better. And also importantly, what they got was some people gave them even more on top. They said, hey, we love what you do and the way you do it. We understand that without this, it may not happen. Here you go. We saw that a lot. So if this is failing, then what they've done is it's the way that they talk and what they do and all of the loss of goodwill. I said, if you look at their Discord, um, you go through all the different channels. All of the communication is, will I ever get my product? Is it ever coming out? All this extra money they want. It's all these negatives. There's very little positive. There's very little good fit, goodwill and good faith left in them. I personally have none. Um, I'm honestly very glad I've never backed a Kickstarter of theirs in the past. I'm glad I didn't back any of the other ones while this one was out. And I would absolutely never back one of theirs again. Um, do I think the company will stay around? Yeah, I do. But I do think sooner or later one of these projects is going to fall through. They haven't started any new Kickstarters. They said they were going to wait and they would do smaller ones from here on out. I really do hope they hold to that. But honestly, I think future Kickstarters, if people pay attention to the board game you know, world around them, 
I don't think any other Kickstarters will ever be successful. Or if they are, it's because they ask for a little bit of money. I don't think they'll ever get another multi-million dollar Kickstarters. The only way that would happen, again, maybe they pick a really popular IP and people don't know about it. We've seen that with other companies. Some other companies who've not put out great games, they get a really well-known IP and then they get a good amount of backers because some people don't follow what happens. I think this one, though, screwing up Darkest Dungeon, this might be one that was finally big enough to get them noticed because there's people who don't follow board games who now know about this. Polygon, Kotaku, all of them have done articles related to this because now this is a video game property, a very well-known, big, and beloved video game property that you messed up. And now that's a whole nother nerd culture sort of piece that gets to find out what this company is doing. If you are not backing them additionally for this one, I understand. I 100% understand. Um, what I would say is if you do have the money, I think you should strongly consider doing it. Um, partially because... Now, if you're having to pay 200 bucks, that's another thing. But if you did the Wave 1... To me, I would try to do the wave two as well, just to be able to complete your purchase. But if you're in a position, and I know there's lots of people like that who can't put out all this extra money, ask for a refund. I don't think you'll get it personally, but do ask for it. Um, I do hope that enough people do it. I really do. I would like the rest of my stuff. I would like a bunch of people to get their stuff. I would like that if we do this, maybe there's some of those people whose stuff is still struck in China from wave one, get their things. You know, find a way for them to do that. You know, now that costs are further down, find a way to make that happen for these people. That is how you get this good faith back. You know, find a way to get some support from someone else to get more of these over here. Show us. Show us more details. You want to get your good faith back. Get good people's goodwill back. Show us that, hey, here's the exact breakdown. Here's why we can't send you your stuff. They tell us and they show us a bit of the breakdown. Be more exact with it. Do something. But, so... As it stands right now, um, this was a, uh, a Kickstarter that started off really nice and just kind of crashed from there. And it's still sitting at that point. And this is a company that has honestly just started to fall apart. I said they've restructured. They've essentially downsized. They removed IPs. They have targeted their focus. But still falling apart. You can't tell us you're going to give us constant updates, monthly updates, and then go six, seven months between them. You know, I understand you have a couple outstanding projects, but you need to tell people what's going on. The worst thing you can do in something like this is lack of communication. Now, and I know personally, as someone who does this, who, who you know, who has a YouTube channel, there's times I say I'm going to do something that unfortunately doesn't happen. Life can get in the way, but I don't have a million of your dollars sitting on in, in the bank. I don't have tons of money from you. You're not waiting for a big project from me. You know, you're hoping we put out more videos because maybe you like our content and all. But, it, you know, it, it's not destroying your day if something doesn't quite happen because, you know, something crazy happens in life. And it happens to all of us. I don't blame them for having problems. I blame them for what they do about the problems. And if you have someone's money, you have an obligation to do the best you can with it. Especially when you have $5.6 million from these people. And another million and a half from this other game. And another two million from this other game. And so on. You know, if you have $10 million of people's money sitting in the bank. And I know they've had costs and all that, of course. But if you have that kind of money, you owe people explanations. And you owe people timely and better explanations than we've gotten. Alright, so we've talked about what they've done. Where it's been. Where it's going. What I think is going to happen. Um, like I said, I am going to be um, doing the contribution. Because I want the rest of my stuff. I do think it'll go through, but I think a lot of these other languages, I don't think you're going to see it. All right. Um, if I do think you guys for, um, for anyone who watches, I know this is a big, long one. I'll put, try to put some timestamps in this as well to talk about the current as well from the past. I just, I wanted to give the full perspective because I think it's better to talk about it from that avenue because, um, unless you see what they've done, it's hard to know exactly where they are now and why so many people are angry. People aren't just angry about the money. People are angry because there's this perpetual habit of what they've done and that really bothers people um you should hopefully get some other videos from us this week um we'll be recording some stuff hopefully actually tomorrow as of this recording we should be talking about the demons of the rune storm for warhammer 30k because it just released today and i know dan is very excited and he just had an event last weekend where he had to use the old rules and homebrew some stuff so he could at least play them because he didn't want to play his custodes and then they troll dropped the rules today 
So we'll be discussing that. A few other things. Um, if you do enjoy this content, likes, comments, subscribes, all that kind of stuff on YouTube helps. I'll be putting out the podcast version of this as well. Probably a little better this way because I kind of show you a few things, but in case you just want to listen to it, because most of it is more of just listening. Um, but all those sorts of things really do help. If you want to hear more about board games or you want to hear about anything in particular, leave in the comments on YouTube. Let us know what you want to hear about, what you want to see about, and what you want to watch. All right. Well, on behalf of all of us here then, have some good hobbying and some great gaming.